Welcome to the Write It Down podcast with the 1513 Network. I'm Brooke Murata, bringing you one-on-one interviews to challenge, to inspire, and to encourage. On today's episode, I'm excited to introduce Dr. Stephanie Herodopoulos. Stephanie is a family medicine doctor in Brevard County, wife to former Senate President Mike Herodopoulos, and mom to three children. Stephanie was recently appointed as chair of the Florida Healthy Kids Corporation Board of Directors. She is a powerhouse of a woman, and she inspired me to live a life marked by ambition and purpose. Sit back, relax, and get your pens ready, because this is Write It Down. All right. Well, welcome back to Write It Down. I'm Brooke Murata. I'm sitting here with the Stephanie Herodopoulos. Um, Thank you for joining us on the show today. My pleasure. Um, I had the honor and privilege of meeting you and Mike um, probably about a month ago now. And we found out we lived in the same town. And I was like, oh, this is just meant to be. I can't wait to interview both of you. And I just uh, interviewed Mike um, a couple weeks ago. And it was such a great discussion. And you guys are a powerhouse couple, I have to say. <laughs> Thank you. From what I hear um, about you from your husband, you are you are the one, he says... You govern the house. He, he says he ran the Senate and I ran the house. There you go. There you go. You are a doctor here in Brevard County, correct? Family medicine physician, board certified, uh, been practicing here in Brevard since 2002. Currently on sabbatical because I'm chairman of the board of Florida Healthy Kids Corporation. Wow. So what's that like? What's the transition into practicing medicine and then being on the board? After 16 years of clinical practice, I was ready for a bit of a a change. I miss my daily interaction with my patients. And as a family practitioner, you have a wonderful continuity with generations of families. But I knew that I could give back in a a, a bigger way on a statewide way. So uh, the chief financial officer of the state of Florida, Jimmy Petronas, appointed me to be uh, chairman back uh, after the election uh, in 2018, and I accepted it. I was currently serving on the Florida Board of Medicine, appointed by Governor Scott. I couldn't have two statewide appointments, so I politely asked the governor if he would give me his blessing to resign so I can head up uh, Healthy Kids Corporation, and he said, of course, and so I accepted it. And our mission is to make sure that there's no child in the state of Florida that goes without health or dental insurance. Wow, that's awesome. And so what does your day look like doing being on the board? Well, it's, it varies because uh, a lot of it can be done with conference calls uh, telephonically. We are about to have our board uh, conference committee meetings and then we have our quarterly board meeting Um, but there's a daily interaction with uh, the CEO and our staff that we have to make decisions on a dime we just finished our health and dental procurements which was about a 400 million dollar project and we're about to um, work on um, other projects we won a huge legislative budget request this past year which is so exciting meaning we were able to lower the um, rates for our, our full pay program really in a way we got rid of the deductibles and the coinsurance to make it very affordable um, because that's our goal we understand that that's a rate limiting step for most families Um, but we're um, we oversee the third-party administrator for medicaid Um, we also run the chip program the children's health insurance program which is for families up to 200 percent of federal poverty level and for uh, families 
over 200%, we have the full pay program and we're running all of them. So it's, it's a lot of work. Wow. That, wow. I feel like going from something that's like you said, patient to, you know, patient to doctor interaction, going to more behind the scenes. Do you feel like you've lost a little bit of that like drive? Well, it's, you know, I, I do miss the interaction, and I'm sure I will at some point go back to clinical practice. I, I feel my skills are still uh, sharp and keeping up with, of course, continued medical education. But it was interesting to be able to take my clinical experience of 16 years and, of course, my degree, my uh, interaction with the legislature, which most I'd say physicians maybe don't completely understand how to navigate that. And, of course, it was through my husband's leadership that I was able to understand that unique opportunity and then um, marry them together and then make an impact on a statewide level. So I, it would, I would be remiss not to do something understanding medicine and understanding the legislative process. Right. So why medicine? When Did you always want to be in medicine when you were a little girl? Like what was the... So uh, interesting, I was born with a congenital heart defect called the atrial septal defect. And so my family um, were, I was very fortunate. They, they, the pediatrician picked it up straight away and I had um, the repair, uh, which open heart surgery done at age four. It wasn't an emergency right at birth. Uh, because it was not as severe as a like tetralogy of Fallot type um, congenital heart abnormality. But it, it, so at Columbia Presbyterian Hospital in New York City, when I was four, I had the repair and I'll, I vividly remember the experience. And uh, I had a very good experience, even though you would think it would be traumatic, and it was traumatic. But I wanted to emulate the doctors and nurses that cared for me. So ever since then, I always said I wanted to be a doctor. And I set my North Star at a young age and never swayed from it. Wow. And so where did you get, where did you go to undergrad? You went to? So, um, well, I grew up in a humble beginning. I didn't really have too much. So it was getting through, uh, I was the first one in my whole family to go to college, let alone medical school. So um, I really didn't have a lot of guidance, but I knew I had a goal. So I used education to change my trajectory in life. Of course, I knew I had a goal and I knew I had to achieve my education. So I always preach that to kids I meet because, um, gosh, you know, everyone has the opportunity these days to Mm. get the education, to learn a trade or learn a profession to uh, change whatever path they are in life or what, um, how they grew up or their generation. So I ended up getting accepted to Stetson University in DeLand. And what a wonderful school that was. I was pre-med, chemistry major, biology minor. Wow. And uh, that's where I met my husband originally. See, he was two years ahead of me. And of course, we our paths didn't cross too much because he was history, political science. I'm in the, you know, medical science side. And so, uh, but he was really cool in school and I wasn't. I was the geek because <laughs> I was trying to get into med school. So you guys didn't connect at Stetson, right? We knew of each other, right. but we never dated. Okay. But we had the Stetson connection, the Mad Hatter connection. So, yeah. um, and in fact, uh, he he uh, goes back regularly, speaks to the history and political science students, as do I, to the pre meds, to encourage them wow. to um, you know 
keep keep going on their track that's awesome and mike shared a little bit about the story and i can't wait to hear your side Mm. um (laughs) i I always think it's cute when couples share their story but i think that's so interesting that you know your paths didn't cross and you you were kind of streamlined focused you 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 call yourself a geek i'm not calling you a geek you called yourself (laughs) that but um and so it's cool it's cool that you were you were driven towards a goal and then later in life you guys were able to reconnect Mm. Um, so kind of sharing a little more of your story, then you went off um, to med school in the Caribbean, correct? Yeah, you know, I had a wonderful, um, Dr. Ken Everett was the uh, head of the chemistry department at the time, and I was his TA, and he mentored me, and he definitely, I give him a lot of credit for giving me um, the confidence at the t- in myself that I didn't have, and, and so... I realized I had to believe in myself. Mm. So there's always, I don't know if you can think of some professor or some mentor that you have in your life that yes. told you you could when you felt like you can't. You can't, yeah. And and you believed in him. So um, I still go visit him. He's great. He's retired, but he still lives in Deland. Yeah. But he, um, I was applying to medical schools and I, I wanted to do something a little different. I wanted to travel. Uh, you know, at the time, wasn't married, didn't have kids. So I was like, why not? So I ended up going uh, to American University of the Caribbean, which was in the British West Indies in Montserrat. I'm not sure if you heard of that island. No, Sexy Antigua. It was wonderful. Um, wonderful experience there. Um, I also uh, lived for a year in Belize in Central America. And then I ended up doing my electives and selectives in London, England for the last two years. So I went four years consecutively just in a f- three different countries. Um, there's an interesting story why I left Montserrat, and it's why the whole school left Montserrat. Now the Mo- that school is based out of St. Martin on the Dutch side. Okay, okay. The school got demolished because of a natural disaster, and wow. it was a volcano. Not a hurricane. You would think back down there would be a hurricane. A hurricane, but it was a volcano. It was a volcano, Mount Soufre. So it started erupting after it had been dormant for 300 years. Um, the day my mother arrived to come visit me. And my <laughs> it erupted when your mom came? The, the day she arrived. And wow. my, this is what my father says, leave it up to my ex-wife to start a dormant <laughs> volcano. That's awesome. Anyway, Jimmy Buffett wrote his, I don't know where I'm going to go in the volcano. But, uh, that okay. song, Volcano, was written and produced on Montserrat about that volcano. Wow. So I live that song. You live through history. <laughs> So I'm like, all right, I think I need to get out of here. Got on a plane, got out of there. I thought, oh, that's it. School got demolished. But then they sent our class to Belize. Okay. And then we finished up there and then went to London. Now they have this gorgeous, beautiful new school on the Dutch side of St. Martin. And um, kids get a great education there. I enjoyed London. The nationalized healthcare system there is very interesting. Um, It was a really cool perspective for me to... Uh, see and learn and I had great hands-on they don't sue so much there so they let medical students do a lot oh wow so you got more hands-on experience through that I'm sure medical students do in the United States here but yeah I, I they were you know, I was delivering all the babies and closing up laparotomies and wow. doing all the blood work for the residents if they wanted to give me some tutorials. It was it was fun. But I got to travel Europe some. Too. Yeah. 
So um, if you don't mind me asking, how old were you when you were going through all of this? So yes, medical school was age 21 to 25. Okay. And you mentioned briefly your that one professor, that mentor um, that believed in you. Were you insecure, like an insecure girl in high school and college? Like when did you find yourself transitioning out of that? Because I feel like if there's any, you know, young adult women listening to this right now, it's this challenge to get past that insecurity to keep going and to keep chasing. So what were some of the things you recall? I definitely was insecure growing up. Um, You know, I don't know. My parents got divorced at a young age and I didn't get to see my dad as much as I wanted to. My dad is, uh, oh my gosh, such a wonderful man in my life. Now, as an adult, we we have a great relationship. But um, back then, I didn't see him too much. My mom and I, you know, struggled. We Mm -hmm. didn't have too much, uh, you know, which, and I don't Mm -hmm. mean my mother and I struggled emotionally. Okay. She was wonderful, um, you know, and encouraged me. But I don't know who who doesn't kind of go through teenage years and feel a little insecure or feel like they might not um, be good enough. I don't know. I think that you know you go through the awkward stage. You feel um, I don't know. I I, I I had to get past that for sure. Um, probably made some bad choices with guys because of it. Mm, yeah, <laughs> it happens. Were you, so you were married before Mike? Correct. Yes. So what, what? a little bit into that story, if you don't mind sharing that. Well, um, when I was in London, I um, met a man, and uh, we became, obviously, in love, and um, we got married, and then I had Alexis, and my oldest, so she, I had her at age 25, and she was born in Kingston Hospital my last year of medical school, as soon as I graduated, really. So mm-hmm. I had to work super hard uh, in getting all my stuff done while I was pregnant because I wanted to make sure that I finished. Mm. Gosh. So, of course, I made it harder for myself. I didn't make it easy. <laughs> Not that medical schools aren't enough. Oh, yeah. Have yeah, a pregnancy. Have a baby in the mix. Ba- baby yeah. in another country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, my parents are like, what are you doing? Uh, but, uh, gosh, she's meant to be she's such a blessing now she's 21 i can't believe it she's 21 she's a senior at flagler college uh and she's just absolutely amazing my ex was um he's an ex because he was an abusive man uh emotionally verbally physically for years but um you know i was taught you can get married and you make your bed and yeah you lie in it yeah and uh you know i i was a trying to be a doctor and I wanted to fix people and I was trying to fix them and trying to help them with anger management and stuff like that and I you know after a while I realized I couldn't but um I tried to make it work and uh you know I did love him very much at at the time I brought him to the United States uh, got accepted to Albany Medical Center in New York and uh, worked really hard in family medicine with a very young child. A sibling would be a good idea for this child. So I had Hayden my senior year in residency. In residency, I had uh, two very young children um, going through, and that was really hard because 36-hour shifts in upstate New York with snow, like you wouldn't believe, very cold temperatures, not being able to sometimes see the daylight, uh, you know, talk about a little bit of postpartum depression yeah. and 
also being with an abusive person. Or, so, um, you know, I had to be pretty tough yeah, to get through what I did. But I knew that, uh, you know, I had to finish residency because I needed to um, be able to get a job so I could support myself and get I up. developed my exit strategy. Yeah. And that's what I did. So I um, went through a hiring process and that's what brought me to Melbourne. I finished my residency at the end of June 2002 and Omni Healthcare uh, hired me. And so I moved down to Florida and um, started working with a one and a four year old. Wow. Low man on the totem pole. Let me tell you, you get the worst shifts. You have to work the longest hours. It was tough. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, you just have energy when you're younger. So you do things. And that, so I was, what, tw- I had Hayden when I was 29, moved here around um, 30. Okay. And then um, I, I got my, my exit strategy and left him. That, of course, is the most difficult time because when uh, somebody's trying to control you, loses control, they kind of go bonkers. So mm. um, lucky to be alive. Uh, and, but here I am and it, I was very ashamed about all this for a very long time. I never, never, never talked about it. Um, but many years later I decided to tell my story because I thought it would help others, Mm. uh, and encourage others that they don't have to live in bad situations. Um, and that, um, I wanted to, I feel like God doesn't waste any hurt. Mm -mm. Yeah. So I felt that if I told my story and I did some work with the state that perhaps, um, you know, others could be helped through it. And then I can understand why I went through what I did. Yeah. So I imagine days got really dark in that relationship. What were some of the things that kept you going, that kept you saying, you know what, was it your kids? Was it God? What I mean, all of the above. Really, all of the above. I mean, what, I would study harder when I would get beat mm. because I knew I had to finish. Uh, and of course, you know, I had to be there for my children. And I always have had faith in the Lord. Um, I think everybody's faith waxes and wanes throughout their life. Um, you know, I but I I knew um, I knew I had a purpose on the earth and I knew that um, I had to have a purpose-driven life and I felt like God gave me talent and I needed to use the talent to be able to help others. Absolutely. And so I feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose here on this earth. Absolutely. I mean, I, I can't imagine going through that situation, but let alone without God, without, you know, knowing that there is a a bigger purpose in this and that God doesn't waste her. And I feel like there are a lot of people out there that feel like God maybe has turned their back on them because of those scenarios or because of domestic violence or a breakup or whatever it is. And I feel like your, your testimony, it, it proves otherwise. It proves that he is faithful, that he is going to continue to bless his children and show favor on them. So the fact that you got out, that you pushed harder and now you're in a safe amazing relationship god honoring relationship and you guys are changing a lot of lives here in florida and 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 it's just so cool to me to see that story come together thank you 
We're going to take a quick break from our show to discuss Patreon. Patreon is a secure site that allows creators to make albums, videos, and podcasts like the one you're listening to now. So if you enjoy Write It Down, please head over to our website, xvxiii.com or spell out 1513.com in your browser. Click on the Patreon banner at the top of the page and show your support. Write It Down is made possible by the 1513 Network, so please send over your love, your support for the other shows as well. If not, just stick with Write It Down because I'm the coolest, the realest, the illest. Anyways, back to the show. And kind of fast forwarding um, to Mike, you saw Mike on the side of the road with the sign. What's that story that he was like campaigning, right? So he, our, he I had um, a few things really happened. I had put an ad in uh, the back of my church uh uh, weekly pamphlet the bulletin yeah the bulletin yeah uh, and you know my my practice my medical practice so his friend had gone to church and brought home the bulletin and he saw my picture at, there then one of his uh, i think a campaign manager uh, and I were neighbors, and I said, hey, I went to college with that guy, because how many people have the last name Herodopolis, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just, What's a Herodopolis? What's a Herodopolis? <laughs> it's like squeeze the charm and it works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he, um, and then I see him standing on the street corner with this sign, What's a Herodopolis? And I'm like, that is him. So I beep and wave. And then really what happened was my, at the time, oh my gosh, my cute, 80-year-old patient, wrote him a letter because we had a conversation saying, my doctor went to college with you. And he wrote him a letter. He read the letter. He called me at the office, and he asked me out. Well, he says he just wanted to hang out with another young, well, I was young at the time, young yeah. professional. I said, I'm divorced with two kids. <laughs> yeah, just put that out there. I just put it out there. And he said, okay, how about Thursday night at Island's Fish Girl? Well, I was like, all right, that didn't scare him off. So yeah. <laughs> it was about six months after my divorce. Hadn't okay. dated at all. Really just was not worried about guys at the time. Just worrying about my career and my kids. And so we went out to dinner and we caught up and we had a wonderful time. And really, it's never stopped since then. Wow. That was, that was long, a long time ago. So leaving your, your, your first marriage, were you ever like afraid that you'd ever fall again or fall in love again? Or was there like hmm. these unnecessary insecurities or fears that you had? Oh, well, yeah. And, you know, here's this really handsome young senator who's never been married before, no kids. And I was told I'm ugly, fat, and stupid. And I believe that. So, I mean, for me, I, I was like, what do you even... Why would why you be would, interested? Well, you know, like I tried to break up with him like three times. Why would you want to be with me? Go and start fresh with somebody who you deserve to be with. And he's like, I love you. And I'm like, okay, well, then I'm not going to say that again. (laughs) Yeah. So, so, I mean, of course, I was madly in love with him, but I I didn't think I was worthy of him. And I know that's so bizarre to think of that now. And I, whoever's listening, you are all that and a bag of chips and never doubt your self-worth like Mm. I did. Mm. But... I understand why I did. Yeah, because you were told that. Mm -hmm. And we believe a lot of the the things that people have said to us. I remember being in third grade and somebody called me fat. And to this day, like that has shaped me. And I'm like, why? 
Like mm-hmm. that is such a it's such a lie, but it but it's so real, especially when you've just shaped everything you've done, you know, around that. And I feel like a lot, especially females, anything that's said about like our body or mm-hmm. our face or our IQ, anything, our IQ, good or bad, sticks with us. Oh yeah, and I, you know, I was still had baby fat on me, you know, mm-hmm. for having the children, which is nor- totally normal, and mm-hmm. you know, and he, my ex, would say. You know, you're you have two kids. No one's gonna ever want you. Mm. And so I really that did stick in my mind, which is why I really didn't even think about dating. But I never thought it was never gonna happen. I just was busy, you know. So and it just and then I believe God put Mike in my life and vice versa. And um, it's been such a blessing. I went from the most unstable man in the world to. The most stable man in the world. Yeah. I, I feel like God's like, all right, you had the heart surgery and you got abused. All right, now I'm giving you a good one. Now you yeah, have a great life. Like, oh, thank God. <laughs> the latter part of your life's wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and then you you guys have a kid together as well, correct? We do. And Michael named her Reagan after his favorite president. Aww. She's now 13. Okay. Eighth grade, smart as can be, of they're all smart, but you know what I mean? Just yeah. very naturally uh, gifted in school, which is such a blessing. And, um, you know, we're, so we have, what, 21, 17, and 13-year-olds. Wow. wow. Yeah. Two girls, one boy. Boy in the middle. Yeah. Okay. And they, uh, you know, all, they don't think of them as a blended family because that's all they've ever known. No, yeah. My ex took off. I never saw him again. So, right, right. Um, Mike is their father. Father, period. Yeah. So yeah. raising two girls in the past that you've that you've had with people, you know, saying hateful things to you and body shame and all that. So raising two girls, what are things that you try to implement in raising them? Huh. Well... That's that's a really good question. I, you know, I just tell them they're they're beautiful inside and out, and that kind of pretty is what pretty does. So really, it's how you treat people that mm-hmm. matters. You know, uh, is treat others with respect, treat people like you would want to be treated, uh, be nice, be loving, be kind, and really, I don't focus on what they look like i just want them to be a good person right the heart the heart of the the matter yes so what is the dynamic with having a son in the middle oh he's gonna make a great husband one day <laughs> <Surrounded by laughs> you're like if i do say so myself oh yes i you know i'm like okay we, you know, he's around women so much that i think that he um he, he he's very used to uh, our ways yeah he um He's so cute. He went on a date recently, and I said, okay, you go in the front door, and you shake the father's hand, mother's hand, and you open up her car door, and you pay for the meal, and you make sure that you get her home on time safely, and you don't speed, and you make sure everyone's wearing seatbelts. And uh, he's like, anything else, Mom? (laughs) I'm like, no, but I want you to be a gentleman. And, you know, I never wanted – I had to leave when the kids were young because they never really saw it. They never saw what happened to me. I didn't want my son to, you know, watch it and think it's okay to be an abuser. Mm. And I want I didn't want my oldest daughter to think it's okay to be abused. Abused and stay. So, of course, to them, I always I, – I didn't really tell them what happened until they were older and they could understand. 
uh, and now, you know, they do, and they, they, they have, of course, seen my story. Um, but I wanted them to be able to, um, you know, grow up in the most stable environment. And uh, I think I think I've achieved that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just, again, just flabbergasted by your story. And I mean, I've read it online, but sitting here across from you hearing that is, I can, I can feel the emotion from it because no no woman wants to ever feel that way. And so to feel that way for a long time and then have two kids and then be in med school and having like ambition the size of a planet, like I I can't even fathom that. So just to, to meet you on the other end and, and see where God's been faithful in your life encourages me. I know it's encouraging um, those that are, that are listening to this. Um, is it hard living with a man that's strong-willed with ambition as well? Because he's a go-getter. Oh, he is. I know. That's what I love about him. I think what he, we, we mesh well because I'm, I'm busy. He's busy. We understand that. I, as far as, you know, I, I think he liked it when we went on a, a date. I had, at the time, we had beepers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I got beeped and had to make a phone call. And, you know, I was busy with the ER physician calling me to admit a patient or whatever. And he was like... Uh, and I was confident in a in a room of people. I could I like people. I like talking to people. That comes from being a physician. So, if he had to go speak to people on the other end of the room, I was like, okay, gotcha. I could make a conversation with anybody. Right. So I think that that was um, something that attracted him to me. Um, and of course, his work ethic and his drive for success and making a difference. And he, he has. Um, amazing core principles and values that I very much admired uh, that he's never really strayed from. So I loved supporting him and his career and his as he was ascending in the Senate to become the president of the Senate. Every time he'd come home with a pledge card from another senator, you know, they have to sign saying I, I pledge for you. The other senators vote for you to be the Senate president. Yes, that's the way it works. Uh, and and we would have like a little victory dance and we'd be so excited. And then we, I just knew that um, he was going to do great for our state. And God, he did he ever. I mean, it was the hardest time for him to serve during the worst modern economic crisis we have had. But thank God he was there when uh, to serve because he held the helm. So Florida could once again prosper. And instead of overspending and on things he didn't raise taxes he Mm. balanced the budget and now florida has a triple a rate bond rating and we you know we have all these companies coming to florida to set up shop and here we are with the lowest unemployment rate you know i mean it's just such a wonderful place to and I'm not saying it's all because of my husband no but, but it would be a lot easier for him to serve during a surplus yeah there was a four billion dollar budget shortfall back then uh so it was hard to tie the belt up so yeah we there was some there was some associated press stories I'd wake up in the morning and go oh gosh what are they saying now about yeah. my husband yeah but just had to be strong for him yeah. What did that look like? I mean, being at home and, and, and reading those articles, I mean, how as a wife did you serve him in that way? Well, when, you know, I, I just kind of made sure we had a calm house and I tried to do the best I could with the kids. And, you know, we 
the time we were going to our, our church every Sunday, and that always grounds you. It took me about 24 hours to decompress him from Tallahassee, and then he would turn around 48 hours later and go. So really, I only had him for <laughs> the real mic for 24 hours. But everyone was calling him Mr. President. He'd come home, I'd be like, all right, take out the garbage, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he needed that to ground him. You yeah. Know, he didn't get too high. Hum- humble him a little bit. Just yeah. Bit. <laughs> you run the house. I'm going to get that joke. He ran the Senate. You ran the house. That's right. Oh, no, it was it was always exciting. He'd be like, okay, the TV crew would show up, or he'd say, okay, tomorrow night we're having 20 people over for dinner, so it kept me on my toes. He had to do a lot of fundraisers for the Republican Party of Florida, and instead of him traveling around the state, I decided to open up the home, keep him home, have people come to our home, mm-hmm. save money for the party, and wow. selfishly got him, you know, to stay home more were there like times where you you were tired of quote-unquote being on because in in an environment like that you kind of have to be on like smile and wave and everything's kosher and there's no like what did it get tiring to always have to host and to smile and to in that rush of a life yeah living in a bubble is definitely a bizarre i'd say but i don't know i rose to the occasion i really uh, is best times of our life we had to blast we had a good time i i maybe it got a little tiring sometimes we'd go out to dinner and people would start talking to him all the time but you know so what that that's what look he was doing a great job for the state and i was so proud of him and i i i loved it yeah, yeah. and so life right now is a little slower pace oh, yeah oh my gosh it's very calm now <laughs> Do you guys even know what to do? <laughs> we don't. You know, and the kids are kind of on auto drive to a certain extent. I mean, of course, I don't know. Teenagers, you always have to be on them. It's just yeah. different problems as they get older. It's, but I, I, don't, I mean, no, I'm not bathing them and right. putting them to bed and they're doing their own homework. So, And, of course, the 21-year-old's out doing her thing. So, so where you're at now serving on the board, what are some, like, initiatives that you're really focused on? Well... <clears throat> Really, I mean, the sole focus is getting to the kids that don't have the insurance and getting them signed up. There's so many children out there that don't understand, or parents, pardon me, that don't understand that for no money with Medicaid or for $20 a month for all your kids in the house with CHIP program, you can have full health and dental program for your kids. Mm. Now think about that. There's so many people that qualify for CHIP. I mean, like a hundred and something thousand people in the state that don't understand that for $20 a month, they can have full health and dental for their kids. So getting that message out there, getting heat maps and figuring out where they are, connecting with them, making sure that we have community assister applicators that are going to the places where they are, whether it's in schools or boys and girls clubs, and just making sure that kids in our state have access to care. So that's, I mean, my primary mission with it. But I've also had a megaphone about, because of my certain advocacy. So um, I realized that the vaping epidemic was... (laughs) going to be a huge health hazard, larger than we've ever seen um, really in the States. And and so months ago, I was talking about increasing the awareness of the dangers of vaping and trying to get in contact with 
state leaders, the attorney general, mm. Ashley Moody was listening, superintendents were listening, a lot of legislators, um, and they understood how, how bad it was and such a disruption in the classrooms and so bad for kids' health. Unfortunately, it had to get to the point where it's at today where people have passed away and there are so many mm-hmm. vaping-associated pulmonary illnesses out there where people are having severe respiratory distress because of it. Um, so my message to the medical providers and doctors and physicians are make sure that you're always asking that. And I think that the attention now is people will be, if someone comes in with respiratory distress and they really shouldn't be, they need to be asking about vaping. Yeah. Um, and then also, uh, you know, putting the regulations on it. But now it's happening on a top-down level. I mean, we're seeing that the flavored, uh, 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 you know, juuling is, is mm-hmm. going to be banned. I mean, we even see a country like China banning it. I mean, yeah. what are the main issues with vaping? Is it what they're putting in there or is it the inhaling? What are What are some of the... So anything, the only thing that should go into your lung is air, period. Right. Um, if if you are addicted to nicotine from cigarettes, there are ways to get off of cigarettes with nicotine replacement therapy that are FDA approved, like patches, nicotrol inhalers, lozenges, gum. There are other ways to get the nicotine that is a safe delivery system. The vaping was invented because pe- I believe that they realized that people weren't really smoking anymore and it wasn't cool and they still really wanted to get people addicted to nicotine so they i don't believe it was created to help make help and make a a a way to get off smoking it might have helped some people get off smoking but the vast majority of people are still vaping and that's still bad for you it's like it should be a way to if you went from smoking to vaping then you need to start weaning off of that and getting on it or totally stopping it and getting on a nicotine replacement therapy and then getting off of that that's the best thing you could do but unfortunately, it, they made it modern and sleek and cool, so kids would want to do it in an inconspicuous way, and um, a whole new generation of children are getting addicted to nicotine. So it's what nicotine does to your body, um, and, and we can talk about, especially in kids, because that's my focus, um, it affects the brain development up to age 25. So it affects concentration and memory and causes behavioral problems and impulsiveness and um, diminished IQ. And then um, the, so that's nicotine addiction. Then you have all the chemicals that are within the vape. So the oils are really the problem and the vitamin E. So when it heats up and it gets aerosolized and then all the droplets go inside your body, not all of it becomes aerosolized. And some of that oil droplets then cause an inflammatory reaction in your bronchial tubes and in the parenchyma or the lung tissue. And that inflammatory reaction, it's seen as almost like a I'd say a f- like a foreign body. So your your body's trying to attack it as foreign, and it causes all the inflammation and something called lipoid pneumonia, and then uh, you have acute respiratory distress syndrome, or you know almost need to be on like life support for for breathing um, when it gets that bad. So it's it's 
the chemicals that are affecting the bronchial tubes, you'll find kids will have chest pain, shortness of breath, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, fever, and weight mm. loss as the constitutional symptoms that come from vaping. Um, and unfortunately, it's like having a cell phone in your pocket. It's that addicting. So these kids, just like you seem to our generation yeah. and ha- never go away, d- never go anywhere without the cell yeah. phone. They don't go anywhere without the vape. Um, so it's, it's terrible. And I'm, I'm, I'm sad that all of this has happened, but I'm glad it's getting the attention now to where um, uh, people are, are second thinking this. And, and, and we're, we're even seeing, um, you know, national stuff happened with the with the FDA and the CDC and the Trump administration. So I'm I'm really happy to see that happening. Absolutely. What do you think? Um, just some practical advice would be like as far as a solution. So if there's people in our lives that are addicted to vaping or even smoking. What What do you think? Some practical things well, um, to start implementing. Well, Tobacco Free Florida is an excellent website that has a lot of tools for um, people to quit smoking and also to quit vaping. So, I mean, of course, talk to your family members about it. Tell them what you what you know you've heard today or what you've read in the newspaper or on the radio, uh, and just say that there are other ways to get off of nicotine. Um, and then steer them towards that website. There are it's it's free. I mean, they'll send you free patches in the mail to you uh, and give you um, techniques for behavioral modification. So, for instance, let's say on the left side of the piece of paper, you can write down all the times you would have a vape or a cigarette. And then you'd say, okay, well, instead of in the car driving to work, I'm going to do this instead. And then you're actively modifying your behavior and you're conscious about it. Yeah. Uh, and that's a, a way to get off of um, cigarettes and vaping. But really, with the, with all of it, I mean, it would be great to go cold turkey and and not put that into your lungs. It's not worth it. You don't know really what the companies are putting in because it's not regulated. You don't know off with black market stuff what they're throwing in there. Can you imagine? It's not regulated. Mm. I mean, just think about that. They they there's no. Uh, standard protocols in producing this and you're putting it into your lung. It just sounds so crazy to me that that even got to the point where it's existing in our in our country and in, in the world. Like, how did that happen? Well, Stephanie, I am so honored that you hopped on the show today. You have educated me in so many ways. Um, but your story also inspires me as a young adult female chasing my dream. And you you, um, you overcame a lot of struggles. And now you're advocating for change for, for kids. And I think that speaks volumes of your character and also in your husband's character. And so it's just been an honor and privilege to have you on the show. But what is something that you'd like the audience to write down? I think the question would be, are you living a purpose-driven life? Mm-hmm. And, and as a with a question mark and then and and I really believe in that I always think about is this what I'm like I'm I'm not done here yet on this earth yeah so I'm still there's other things I need to accomplish but am I using my talent that I feel that God has given me and that I've procured to then make a difference in other people's lives 
And, and if I can say yes to that, then I'm living a purpose-driven life. Yeah, I love that. Write it down. Are you living a purpose-driven life? Stephanie Herodopoulos, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Write It Down podcast. This podcast is a part of the 1513 Network. You can catch a variety of shows on their website, 1513.com. If you enjoy listening to Write It Down, please subscribe, share with your friends, and if there's any ink left in your pen, write a review. For more content, follow the fun on Instagram by following at W-I-D-P-O-D. That spells WIDPOD. Super cool. Stands for Write It Down Podcast, but it's abbreviated to WIDPOD. Anyways, thanks for listening, and we will catch you later.